Hello and welcome to the Iris Murdoch podcast. As I'm sure most of you listening will be well aware, Iris was fascinated with the visual arts all her life. Indeed, she experimented with painting regularly and earlier in her career, even thought about becoming an art historian. However, perhaps luckily for us, she instead became one of the most important novelists and philosophers of the second half of the 20th century. But she never lost her love of art. It inspired her, rejuvenated her, and indeed has been the subject of a number of previous podcasts in this series. But today we're going to be taking quite a, a different angle because I'm speaking to three visual artists who have taken inspiration from Iris in a variety of ways, using a range of traditional and indeed experimental forms. Having them in conversation will no doubt develop more connections, perhaps even inspire you to get creative with Iris and her work. My first guest is Kevin Petrie. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Miles. Great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Well, it's lovely to have you here. Uh, Kevin is head of the School of Art and Design and Professor of Glass and Ceramics at the University of Sunderland. He's known for his artwork on ceramics and glass, especially in combination with printmaking and drawing. And he's written and edited a number of books and articles about ceramics and glass and indeed lectured about it around the world. His work is held in a number of private and public collections, including the National Glass Centre and the National Museums of Scotland. And in recent years, Kevin has focused on his painting practice, and this work can be seen on his website, and you can find the details of Kevin's website below. And we'll be particularly talking, of course, about um, his um, paintings and work focusing on Murdoch. My second guest is Matthew Richardson. Hello, Matthew. Hello. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Matthew's an artist and illustrator who works across physical and digital media, seeing how things fit or collide through processes of collage and assemblage. He's interested in how, why and what is kept or discarded, lost or found and left behind. He studied at Central St Martins and then at Cardiff University, and he's currently completing a practice-based PhD at Kingston School of Art, titled Para-Illustration, Gaps, Fragments and Spaces of the Literary Imagination. And these explore the materiality of a writer's notes, drafts and archives as a method for making literary images. And of course, where better to be than at Kingston to use the Murdoch archives. And finally, uh, I'm joined by Carol Sommer. Hello, Carol. Hi, Miles. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back on. Carol, of course, um, was a guest on our Iris Murdoch and Feminism podcast um, a little while ago. As you may remember, Carol is a visual artist and art educator, and she's based in Darlington in County Durham. She's interested in the potential of piracy to interrogate value systems. And sometimes within the aesthetic context of conceptual writing, her practice includes the making of books, videos, performances, installations. And indeed, you can find lots more about this on her art Instagram account, which is at Cartography for Girls. In 2019, she completed a practice-led PhD at Leeds Beckett University. And she's the author of Cartography for Girls, an A to Z of orientations identified within the novels of Iris Murdoch, which is a fascinating way of reconceptualising uh, Murdoch's fiction. I do recommend it to you. There's a link uh, to that book, as indeed there's links to all of my guests' work in the podcast description below. Carol's work is currently being exhibited at the Phoenix Art Space in Brighton until the 19th of November of 2023 as part of the Are You a Woman in Authority exhibition. And because I live not that far from Brighton, I'm looking forward to getting down there to have a look at it myself in the next week or two. So, Carol, um, I think you've been probably working on Murdoch the longest out of, out of the, uh, my guests today. Uh, indeed, I want to explore all the, um, explore these your backgrounds, really, and find out where you, where you, you came to came to Murdoch's work. Carol, could you say a little bit of something about what first attracted you to Iris's work? What was your entry point and really 
your kind of the um, your your pathway to, to to getting where you are today? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I've, my work's always I've always used text in my work, and um, I'm interested in systems of classification. And while I was working on other systems of classification, so that's like things that people invent themselves or ones that already exist. So I'm interested in the way that they constantly shift. And when I came first came across Iris Murdoch in her novels, I think the novels are sort of examples of how it's a big mistake to make assumptions about other people or to or situations and to classify them. So, uh, so and I think that was about eighteen years ago. So wow, a little while. Was, <laughs> so I've been looking at sort of looking at I value systems and ideas of classification that's that sort of that are there in her philosophy and in the novels and more latterly and since my PhD I've been particularly interested in uh, systems that apply to the fictional experiences of her women characters so I'd say I'd say that my practice is rooted in the aesthetic context of conceptual writing probably because conceptual writing often challenges the notion of writing and ideas as property. And, and in doing so, I think you can come up with uh, or generate fresh subjectivity and meaning, which hopefully, hopefully I've been doing. So, I'd, and I'd say that my creative strategy is piracy, um, sort of using both found texts, like texts from Murdoch's philosophy and from her fiction, as well as um, piracy from the internet. So I have, I use the term orientations, which is, comes from her observation that loving is an orientation, a direction of energy, not just a state of mind. And I use that a lot. And I, and I think the orientations, it would be reasonable to assume that orientations in her fictional women come from their the women's thoughts and their emotions and bodily sensations so there I use them on Instagram I think I've posted about 600 of Murdoch's fictional women's orientations on Instagram wow and you and use um and look at the representation of women in particular films as well so I so there that I've appropriated shall we say from the internet as well as um, and putting them together around a point a point of contingency, whether that's the orientation in the first place, or a or a, an, a scene that I've edited from a film, or a lyric or music, often by um, pop music by women artists. And the women that you've used, because I I know your work quite well, um, the women that you've used are not just kind of movie stars, pop stars, and people in sort of um, what, what we might call the kind of the, the cultural milieu of the, of, of the 21st century, but it's you've also used kind of what we might call, you know, ordinary people on an ordinary day, I suppose, in order to, and I know that you've um, asked people to send in images um, yeah. of, of themselves. Is there kind of, it, that that combination fascinates you, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, so so the I, th the I think the project that you're mentioning is was it was called Will the Real Iris Murdoch Please Stand That's Up? That's it. Yeah. At the, um, I worked in conjunction with Dana at the Iris Murdoch Archives at Kingston, and it and so it was like a bit online. People ask I asked people through Instagram if that to pick an orientation. I made the book cartography for girls and A to Z. Um, 
what do you call it, where you make it on available free. I don't know what you call that. But um, it was online anyway for people to access and ask people if they, if to pick an, an orientation that they identified with and then to um, attach that to an image that they felt related to that as well. So we did that online as well as um, working with people from the archives at Kingston. So it was a nice sort of um, juxtaposition between perhaps between people, some people who knew more about Iris Murdoch and less about social media and mm. then the other way around, perhaps people who are quite familiar with Instagram and social media profiling and less familiar with Iris Murdoch. So that was a really nice project to be involved in and with some with some really exciting and interesting outcomes, people's submissions to that. And your um, current exhibition in Brighton, Are You a Woman in Authority? Um, I, I know there are numerous kind of um, female artists in, involved with that. Is that um, very closely aligned with um, that the, your, your earlier project? So the... I've got so I've got a video piece in that exhibition which is called Sometimes She Tried to Think About Painting, which is another of the orientations. That or particular orientation comes from uh I think it's Rosalind in um Jackson's Dilemma. But I was fascinated with the with the with that idea. So sometimes she tried to think about painting. So and the video was about my understanding of Murdoch's thinking about Eros. So, and what, where different activities might come on an Eros scale. And I would say that Murdoch would probably say that painting was a top end Eros activity, but in the, in the orientation, she doesn't paint and she doesn't even think about painting. She only tries to think about painting mm. and then she only sometimes tries to think <laughs> about painting. So, she, so yeah. I think it's a bit, she's a bit lame. And so she probably, she's probably more bottom end Eros Right. That's probably a more bottom end Eros activity. So in the videos, so the video is a, a, a collation of very short videos that were also on Instagram, where I dress up like uh, in a 1970s dress, which is sort of like re responding to the kind of films that I'm usually using on Instagram. And then I stand next to a tall thing, which could be either a um, a platonic representative of a platonic ascension or a phallic erection. So, and I like the idea of making interventions into spaces where they where there are these sort of totems of masculinity, and trying to look like I'm thinking sometimes thinking about painting. Wow! Um, and having seen having seen the video um, last year, I mean, it, it's it's affecting and, and and it gets us to experience Murdoch in a, in a whole other way, doesn't it? And um, oh, yeah, yeah, and it, it it's a it's, and I it's been interesting to see it at, at, at various locations as well. I know you showed it um, at, at Durham recently as well. So um, I think I want to circle back to that a little bit later on and and um, talk to you a little bit more about the development of that and, and where that kind of conceptualization will take you. Uh, Matthew, um, I think this is quite a nice um, place to bring you in because of course you've been much like. Carol's connections with with Kingston and, and and you've also had a recent exhibition um at Kingston based on the work that you did for your uh your PhD talking about gaps fragments and, and indeed power illustration can you talk to us a little bit about that and indeed the work that you produced from that 
Yeah, so the, the project that I was working on most recently is the, is the final project of a practice-based PhD that I've undertaken at Kingston over the last six years now. So this is, um, this is at the end. Um, and uh, basically it was, the exhibition um, was at the archive over the summer and it was to do with the work that I produced that culminated in, in a kind of, you'd say an illustrated book, so to speak. Um, my, my practice uh, as an illustrator, as an artist, um, is fundamentally to do with the with collage um, and using kind of found text, found material, and trying to kind of establish some kind of system or purpose or strategy for a particular writer or a particular narrative or, or, a, or a particular approach for a particular reason. Mm. So I've used all kinds of, so I'm kind of interested in how we read itself. Um, and the, the, the practice-based PhD is, is very much about reading through materiality, the actual material experience of, you know, it, I find it magical the way kind of the written world becomes an image in the mind or, um, and it's kind of happening in the moment. And I thought it would be really interesting to look at writers uh, writing the residues or what's left over from their writerly process and see what can be gleaned as an image maker by, in a sense, working with the text as it's in its, in its inception rather than as a kind of, as a printed final where in a sense, scenes have been, um, have been kind of established, narrative plots have been established. I'm not so much interested in the final, um, the final known text, but I'm more interested in um, something that is still incomplete, still fragmented, still fluid, um, and, and how those kind of, um, how working with those kind of things, um, uh, in a sense, kind of create images that are less about um, described scenes and more about the actual process of language itself, words and their meaning, how fragmented, how what happens when 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 meaning is kind of uh, fragmented and partial uh, and how do you kind of make images from from those things that that's fascinating because i know that you've been working particularly with uh murdoch's uh, very earliest kind of sketched outlines if you like of the bell um in the back of um her copy of colin wilson's the outsider could you talk talk to us about that kind of moment of discovery and inspiration yeah, that was amazing. Um, like Carol, I worked very much with um, Dana Miller at the at the archive, and she drew my attention to um, this particular instance. So, um, Colin Wilson wrote *The Outsider* in the in the late fifties, um, and for those that don't know, so the *The Outsider* is a in a, in a sense, it's kind of a book about philosophy and philosophers and the art the artist as an outsider it's you know it's kind of classic late 50s kind of um uh stuff really 
um, he sent a copy to Iris um, and two years later, the bell was published. So um, during kind of general research um, in the last few years at the, at the archive, um, this book was found, which um, in, in the back pages of The Outsider were these notes by Iris and no one was absolutely sure at the time what they were for or what they were about. They were, they were very kind of partial, but um, in the end it was established, yes, the, this is, these are the partial imaginings of the book that two years later was published as The Bell. And I loved, so as interest, I loved that as a moment of discovery. I loved in a sense that as a, as a creative spark, it was interesting because you know, is, is this Iris's response to Colin Wilson's book? Um, is it just kind of, it happens to be a book that was lying on her desk and she used it as a kind of notebook when inspiration struck. Um, I was interested in the kind of, in a sense, the both very precise aspect of, of, the, of the, the text, in a sense, her illegitimate text, her hand scrawled stuff in, a, in a sense, in a published legitimate text. So I was interested in these two kind of things being, um, in a sense, pushed together. Um, and it, it, it felt to me as, as, a, as a collage, it's a really interesting thing to actually unpick and discover and uncover. How am I actually going to combine these two authors, these two worlds, these two um, incidents of text, uh, in, how, how will it kind of transform into an image? So that, that, those were the starting points and the end point was um, uh, an A4 softbound illustrated, fully illustrated book, which combines both images that are drawn from the bell because they were notes from the bell um, and uh, alongside um, text, and the text was 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 drawn from these kind of frag note, fragmented notes of Iris's and combined with um, quotes from um, Colin Wilson's novel as well. So words and text kind of fall through and beyond and between each other. And you know, I'm. I, there's a, there's a sense of a narrative, there's a sense of a visual narrative, there's a sense of a kind of textual uh, narrative, but realistically, I'm, I'll, I'll talk more about it in, in um, detail later if, if, if the opportunity, if it seems appropriate, but, you know, in a sense, I'm looking at the different ways an image operates within the conventions of a book and I'm playing with the conventions of an illustrated book i.e um, body text of a body text titles captions how you kind of turn over corners to kind of mark positions in books I'm 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 thinking about the archive how things are covered and uncovered how you lift uh, you lift a, a, a a sheet from from a box you turn it over and there's a, a shopping list on the back there's um you know there are staples there are rusty imprints from paper clips there are there are these kind of material um aspects to both reading and uncovering in a in both 
the mechanics of reading and the kind of material collections in an archive that I'm trying to kind of, in a sense, um, use as a strategy for image making. So that's why I call it para-illustration, not illustration. I'm saying the illustration kind of sits alongside a text or it's it's uh, parallel to, it's adjacent mm. to, rather than being um, rather being tied down or illustrative per se of a scene. Sure. So it, it sounds it sounds to me um, coming from um, a literary critical perspective that it, it's a, a kind of a complementary experience of both the material reality, but also that kind of intellectual perception and how we kind of, in a sense, bridge the gap and and but also open up gaps and create new works from that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think for me, the the reason that I was excited in using the bell as well is, you know, I was interested. In, I must say as well, realistically, this was the my entry point for Iris Murdoch. I'm not I'm not an Iris Murdoch scholar in any kind of sense of the word. My my PhD for the first four years had been at the British Library working with the manuscripts of J.G. Ballard. So and I'd worked a bit with um, manuscripts of Angela Carter as well. So nice. realistically, the bell was is my is my entry and in a way became my delight you know I really enjoyed its um the metaphor so I kind of use things like we have the outsider inside and outside yeah. inside a retreat outside a retreat inside a book outside a book um the images within the book are kind of in a sense thinking about and talking you'll you, you'll you'll kind of see in the book that, that in a way there's trompe l'oeil there are kind of bookmarks and post-it notes and turn corners and things like that that overlay some of the images so I'm I'm trying to kind of encourage I guess the reader or the viewer to think about in a sense where I'm so interested in the surface so the surf, the way we read words and the way we look at an image and how we um, establish depth, both in a conceptual sense and in a in a kind of formal sense, so to speak. So the the, the bell was great because it was to do in a obviously the themes of the bell were to kind of do with uh, you know, there were, of course there's kind of spirituality transcendence. There's moving through spaces both physically and metaphorically mentally and practically and I just thought it was a it, it was a really interesting um narrative to kind of combine with with the idea of the outsider sure. which uh, Colin Wilson's book kind of brought into it so yeah. um, of course there are there are so there are a number of outsiders in that text of course include well I kind of our three Two of our three main kind of um, narr narratorial um, figures being um, Dora, Michael, and Toby. And of course, Dora and Toby are in some both both outsiders to that that community in the Bell, isn't it? And I think that's a great moment actually to to bring Kevin in as well because Kevin, I know that you've been um, ex exploring your own kind of artistic temperament, your own kind of artistic interest. Uh, could you tell? And and I know that you've you've done illustrations based on scenes in the Bell, which is a kind of a nice kind of segue, I think, from. What Matthew's been talking about. Could you tell us a little bit about how you kind of moved from 
kind of glass and ceramics and that, that kind of um, that that kind of artistic creation to, I, I suppose, a, a different form of production with the with these with the illustrations that you've been creating. Um, and um, for listeners, you can find out more about this in uh, Kevin's wonderful article that he's just published in the uh, um, this year's Iris Murdoch Review number 14. So we'll make that that article available, too. But uh, Kevin, could you talk, talk a little bit about the the inspiration that you, you took from Murdoch? Yeah, well, I suppose it's worth saying, you know, as a as a kid, I was sort of drawing and painting was always the thing that I was sort of interested in and maybe good at. You know, I wasn't much good at other things, you know, maths and English and that that kind of thing. So I'd often sort of make drawings, tell myself stories. So that led me to go to art school at um, 18. I did a degree in illustration then at um, Harrow University of Westminster, which is the, the first course in the country with the the title illustration so really sort of illustrate and, and that course was rooted in drawing but quite kind of broad based so I ended up um, almost by accident you know coming coming across printmaking methods that enable you to put drawings and prints onto ceramics so although I did an illustration degree I, I, I made a body of work which is basically my sort of illustrations on ceramics so that led me to an MA in ceramics and glass at Royal College of Art where I kind of expanded that that kind of thing got interested in glass or I could see some possibilities of combining printmaking and glass it's quite interesting with glass you know because you can have images inside floating around yeah, in glass uh, so that led me to do a PhD in the late 90s in University of West of England which was the sort of emerging center for fine print research as it is now a uh, research center and and it was a it was a I was really lucky it was a funded PhD which was about developing water-based as opposed to solvent-based printing on ceramics and and a lot of so I basically made a body of artwork that sort of demonstrated and and developed what you could do with this system in terms of the strengths and weaknesses but the the thing in in my artwork at the time I was always sort of drawing making drawings or paintings from life you know often in sketchbooks so they're often like sort of travel diaries but made through drawings and I, I think now maybe there are a kind of you know I think drawing is a sort of paying attention to something for for the for the time that you draw it and then I was applying it to ceramics to almost kind of fix it and make it uh, sort of permanent so so really in a way by I sort of fell into glass and ceramics slightly by accident and just you know the way things um, went that that led me to a part-time lecturing job in Sunderland a point four lecturing ceramics which is two days a week on a six-month contract and then I've, I've been in Sunderland for 23 years and had you know various different um roles so I suppose along the way you know I was a program leader and what went into management roles and, and what have you but I suppose along the way I kept a sort of practice going that was often rooted in drawing and and it became kind of uh, landscape drawings where I'd sort of started really probably teaching drawing taking students out into the landscape and so really, I was all, all my practice was pretty much making images of, of what was in front of me. You know, I'd often mm, yeah. go out in the landscape with a big, you know, painting board or drawing board and make um, make an image of what was in front of me. And I couldn't really. It sounds sort of odd, but I, I I struggled to think how I could make imagery in the studio without looking at something. Um, and then I did um, I did a two year course with terps which is a kind of alternative uh art school uh where you they do a correspondence course where, where you sort of sign up for a year you get assigned a mentor 
and you periodically um, send them images and a statement and they sort of write back to you and it's a kind of back and forth dialogue. So I did this a couple of years, I did it for two years, a couple of years ago, and it really sort of changed my practice, you know, opened up my sort of thinking. I ended up making quite kind of abstract work that was still sort of based on traveling, going places, you know, something I would see. And then um, I think slowly sort of more figurative things started to come into my paintings and slightly more imaginative. So I think really I sort of hit this point where um, I, I was kind of more open or felt more able to make more imaginative type work. And it was probably around that point that I got sort of reinterested in um, Murdoch. You know, I'd come across her, probably, I think it was probably around the time of the film. I probably, you know, I imagine I was making my dinner one night listening to Radio 4's Front Row and hearing a review of the film or something. Mm. And I thought, oh, she sounds interesting. So I think I saw the film, read some books. I read a couple of the John Bailey books, um, read some of the novels. And, you know, I, I think I found them quite almost slightly strange, exotic, you know, uh, with, I say in the article, you know, there's people sitting around drinking neat whiskey and neat gin. That seems an exotic, strange thing in nice houses in London. Then there'd be a sort of surprising um sex scenes and then there'd also be this sort of subtext which I of people having conversations and I, I was thinking there's something going on that this is about something that I don't quite understand but it's the, the I think it's now the philosophical bits uh, so, so anyway I, I was I'd, I'd sort of read Iris you know 20 odd years ago and then I think it went dormant for a bit and then around this time that my artwork was changing it was probably just after the pandemic and we we, we got a dog from the rescue home so I was taking Pedro the dog for walks and uh, started listening to podcasts came across the Iris Murdoch podcast and there's one with I think um, Cyrus Murdoch and the common reader with Liz Dexter yeah uh, there's a wonderful podcast actually there's Liz and, and uh, there's a there was a guy who I can't remember his name but, but both fantastic really inspirational but anyway Liz, Liz Dexter mentioned this thing about every 10 years she reads Cyrus Murdoch novels in order so I sort of thought, oh, so I started doing that. So I started reading uh, Under the Net and I, I think I was on holiday in Gran Canaria and I can remember sort of reading the the bit where Jake goes to Paris looking for Anna and um, he sees her across the sort of, I think it's across the river. Um, so for some reason that image, I thought that seems an interesting image and I happened to have a sketchbook next to me and I made a little scribble of of that drawing that led to a painting and and then basically I think then as I read the books on um it did different images almost organically you know I thought that was interesting so I started to put them in the in the pictures so I think I've probably gone from a transition from maybe going into the landscape to make a picture and now I think I'm sort of going into Murdoch world and um it's it's I think I was interested Matthew talked about the creative spark in at the moment you know she, reading the books is sort of giving me often the creative spark that, that probably coincides with something I'm interested in anyway. Uh, and then also, I suppose I've been engaging a bit with the wider Murdoch world, you know, podcasts and what have you. And um, th that's offering dip ways of reading things. And so I'm sort of looking at my work through that sort of lens. So, yeah, I think that's, that's how I sort of came to be, um, 
to be interested in her really using her as a source. And I think you're selling yourself short a little bit there because it's not just about using her as a source. Is that you, you've then you've you've gone on created maybe one, maybe more kind of artworks based on the novels, and you've you've exhibited them, and and you're still continuing to produce them at the moment, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I think I had this um, this year. I had an exhibition, Gateshead um, Library, and um, you know there were some of the works I was working on anyway. Which again, I I think there's I I'm starting to see some of the work I was doing. Uh, uh, might relate to this idea of attention or living in the moment. So there's, for example, there's a few images about the basic about walking the dog in the park. But I, I sort of see them as you know, this as images as enjoying a, a sort of moment uh, sort of thing. So, uh, so there are those things. And then, um, yeah, I started to make. I made a f uh, few paintings that relate to Murdoch books, and then uh, I started making some drawings, pe um, pen and ink or, or brush and ink drawings of black and white um I think I was probably partly doing that because I I perhaps had a lot of ideas at the time and drawing is a kind of quick way of putting something down yeah. maybe quick paintings possibly miles I'm not sure of the time scale but I also did a course with you um on Iris Murdoch and the Gothic yes um, last year no actually and, earlier this year I should say it was it yeah yeah it was uh, April May time yeah well, that could have been around the time I was doing some of these drawings. So, so some of them have got, you know, there's one based on the unicorn. Some of them have got maybe a bit of a gothic sort of absolutely flavor about them. So, it, you know, it could have been, could have been. It's sort of slightly organic, you know. And in a way, what I've been enjoying is not. Um, I've partly been doing my artwork as a sort of separate um, thing, perhaps to my my academic job. So I haven't really been seeing it as a as a sort of you know academic or research activity i've partly been enjoying just just being able to do what i want and let it kind of speak to me or fo follow my own journey with it sort of thing so it's been quite organic but but yeah so um yeah i made those drawings uh they which are black and white and they in turn they sort of reminded me that um i, I used to like etching which is a printmaking process which it doesn't have to be black and white but it it often is so th that's kind of led to my current work which is is uh exploring some prints which are again uh, um and i'm using some aspect of murdoch for the um theme of those but maybe we we'll talk about those a bit a bit later yeah sure Th thank you for for giving us that overview and and i suppose putting it into contrast with the maybe the work that you do you know and that, but maybe the, the this new material is kind of blurring the lines between the kind of the what you might call the sort of the, the professional but also the personal i think there's which in a sense i think is also something that kind of interests all three of you about that kind of the connections between our personal responses and the kind of the, the public dis display and, and production of artwork which bring which i think is a probably a good point actually to kind of open up the discussion and and, and get get you get you three to to talk to each other about these ideas but something i'd like to sort of think about and maybe you can kind of dis discuss this um, with each other and with me is this idea about um kind of research and creative method um and also i suppose connected with that kind of the the outcomes or maybe the um you say the 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 drive behind it whether that there may be some kind of social angle maybe a political angle i know that's something that's um is important certainly important for carol's work and maybe, maybe for for yours matthew and, and for kevin as well but um yeah let's let's think about this idea of the, this kind of creative practice um carol i'd, I'd like to um, bring you back in at this point and and talk a little bit about that 
Um, yeah, so I think I think for me, um, it, I, I think Iris Murdoch is uh, is um, that both the philosophy and the novels. There's so much in there that is that are, that's relevant to um, some of the key issues that this the exhibition in Brighton. So the exhibition in Brighton, Are You a Woman in Authority? Some of the the it's curated by an organisation called Broken Grey Wires, who are very interested in uh, mental health issues and art and mental health issues. But some of the some of the points from the exhibition in Brighton, which include um, mental illness, class, race, feminist discourse, and how they um, how they interject with each other. The work, so that I think that there's a crossover there between that the work in that exhibition, and in the and in Murdoch's novels in in general. I think that those issues are, are uh, running through all of the novels, and I think the philosophy deals with uh, the philosophy offers uh, insights perhaps into into some of those issues as well, and how and how and how they intersect. So I think for me. The like I'm interested in the way that the video that I made, which was originally comes from a quote in an Iris Murdoch novel, fits into the ex, an exhibition of of work by women artists in the show, in the show in Brighton. And I think, like for me, when I started making that video, it was when we were just coming out of lockdown. So mm. for me, it was partly about my own creative disconnect and and like sick of being working for like I was teaching a sixth form from home which you can imagine was fairly traumatic teaching art from a <laughs> from from <laughs> home in a sixth form yeah it's quite traumatic and also just my own work was just constantly like making Instagram posts so it, so the video was us going out into the landscape and I, well originally I thought I could act but I can't act at all so I just ended up just standing next to tall things but even walking to tall things and standing next to them outside in nature and in the in the environment was like a, a really nice thing to do, but definitely in response to the to the the situation in the lockdowns. But then I think Iris Murdoch is brilliant anyway because during the lockdowns, I made um, the Instagram post that I was making related so much to lockdown. It was it was like as if it was written for lockdown. So. I think the con the contemporary the her work continues to be relevant in 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 a contemporary sense all the time in both a social sense and a and a political sense. Mm. I want to come back to that because I um, last year you were giving out at the Iris Miller conference you were giving out postcards. In fact, it's the, I still got it on my desk here. Um, one wonderful shot of you um, take, still taken from the video uh, between two monoliths uh, carrying an ironing board. So I yeah. think there's there's definitely something um, social and 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 sort of actively political there, isn't there? And then yeah. people can see this on the Instagram. I'll put a link up to it. But um, can you talk to us a little bit about about that? That's um, a, a really strong choice, I think, of image. Um, well, that again, that's that's probably just the the um, the process of do like the the creative process of doing this. I took the I took the ironing board there because one of those stones was shaped like an ironing board. So it's just like making a, a sort of visual connection between the ironing, the ironing board and the, and the standing stone and then standing on a chair, trying to get the ironing board to be the same height as the, 
as the um, the ironing board shape standing stone. But I did, uh, and I did start off taking things that related to painting, like the activity of painting, like easels and things like that. But I I ran out of painting based things, so I I, I just was playing around with what happens with if, if taking different objects. So like the ironing board and rubber rings and what I once took a drum and just just like quite big objects so again through the process of actually making videos if you take something really small you can't see it on the video so you need sure. something substantial the downside to that was like often these are like miles away so you've got to walk miles carrying your large object and your chair it while wearing a green crinkling dress <laughs> or standing by the or stand, standing by the sea as, as, yeah. as, you do, as you do in the video but on a serious point is that also something about um the weight of uh domesticity and what we might call the the mundanity of the everyday versus artistic high eros creation is that there's that absolutely, something going, absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. So, so all the time again with iris murdoch like the whole the eros thing is sort of like it's not just two extremes it's not just like selfish desire and then noble things outside of the self it's everything in between so the the idea of those like sort of contrasts that aren't necessarily just black and white contrasts are there all the time, like 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 sort of middle aged plump woman standing next to middle aged soft plump woman standing next to really hard masculine but like totem of whatever of masculinity or whatever. Oh, that just there's just just so many opportunities just to play around with the the. I like the idea of that that the eros scale is constantly changing. So am I being um, am I uh, is um, is that a noble thing to do to go and stand on a chair next to a <laughs> next to a tower, or or is it a do you know what I mean? Like I think yeah. there's so many things that come into it, and and the idea of attention that both Matthew and Kevin have mentioned, and and I think that again coming out of the process of actually doing it instead of my acting career taking off. I just have to stand on the chair and like pay attention. <laughs> yeah, pay attention not to fall off the chair. <laughs> no, that that that's that's great. Thank you. I mean, the, the question about attention. I think you know, bring. I'm going to bring Matthew and Kevin both both in at this point to to comment on that because I think this idea of the the attention to the particular that all three of you are doing in your work is is kind of one of the major things that kind of bring brings the three of you together. And I and I of course taken inspiration from from Murdoch's kind of um, philosophy at, at, at that point. Um. But please, yeah, Matthew, do you want to uh, comment on that as well? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, um, I was thinking about like the the images in the book. If someone to, were to pick up the book and look at the images, they are, you know, to an extent, potentially they look noble. They they are they are kind in a sense potentially look like kind of high art. Are they to do with the everyday? The the images are actually developed from. Um, digital scans of, of paintings at the uh, National Gallery uh, that I've then kind of manipulated and, and kind of played with. But it's kind of, it, what I want to say, it was interesting because in terms of the work that I did, I did a lot of work at the archive and I, and I met Dana. I also met um, Francis White, um, who, was, who was working on, has worked on a, a lot of the transcriptions um, of Iris's work. And it was really, funny because um on, on one occasion so she, i i translated as best i could 
the, the notes that had never been translated in the in, in the back cover of Colin Wilson's book. And Francis had, had taken it on and had looked again um, to, in a sense, I suppose, correct my work, so to speak. But um, she drew, like, this is just one, one you know, um, it's so interesting, this idea of the attention and, you know, the attention to, you know, is, is it, is a T cross or is it still an L? Does what you know the, the the nuance between you know one word meaning something else is so is kind of everything you know and nothing. And one of one of the um, one of the sort of phrases is it, that I had picked up on was it was just the the idea divided virtuously. So I I, I had this as one of my kind of um, division divisions in the chapter, and Frank said, no, that's not. That's not um, divided virtuously. That's they divided restaurants. I said, what on earth do you mean? What do you mean divided restaurants? And it's the scene in the book where where the, the Dora and her husband were separating and they were trying to divide which restaurants each other would actually go in so that the other could, you know, so they didn't have to actually meet each other. And, you know, suddenly, of course, it kind of takes all of this kind of high idea of um, the cerebral and the spiritual and Dora's kind of yearning for and into and through down to this kind of very material nature of, I don't know, reading and understanding and kind mm. of um, what language kind of actually, actually kind of is. But I, you know, I, I was, I sort of, I suppose when, if we're coming back to this idea of what is the strategy or what is the process, is there a social or is there a political kind of um, um, reason for kind of the work? One of the, one of the main reasons of, of, of the work that I'm doing is to, in a sense, bring, bring, bring alive image, images which, you know, text is a, you know, the, te the text of an archive or the text that's contained within a book is kind of, is closed to, is closed in a certain way. It's really magical in one way, but closed in another. And I'm, I, I suppose I'm looking for other ways to extract or to, I suppose, um, seduce people into an archive. So the exhibition we used um, to to run workshops with students to kind of think about what um, what words were or could do, what connections could be made, uh, and all, all of those kind of things. But I think that the 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 actual for me the attention and the in a sense living in the moment um, is is what is what is kind of in a sense what it's all about i literally follow the material and it gives me back something it gives me back something though so of course even as i've learned a lot about kind of iris murdoch and her philosophical her philosophical ideas i'm very much interested in in a in a sort of in a sense a bit like um you know i've also been interested in conceptual writing of found text and, and just repositioning text um, and seeing, in a sense, deciding the rules, sticking to the rules, following them, and, and in the process, in, and, and in that very process, 
um, something is reread. It's 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 actually reread, but I I am not imposing a kind of um, I'm not imposing a. I of course I am because I'm producing these images and these objects and these books. But I, my my in a sense my um, my game with myself or with the world is the text produces the image. I'm trying to in a sense I'm trying to make um, I'm trying to make images that aren't photographic, aren't painted, aren't drawn. They are literary images. They have been born through word, you know, and that, yeah. so the, the correlation I'm making sometimes doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And sometimes it does. And just in the same way that a um, hundred people can read the bell and get a hundred different kind of um, uh, readings or meanings from it, depending on who they are. I'm hoping that, the image, my images are kind of as specific but open in a similar kind of way. They're, they're kind of in the moment of reading, not in the, the end. Does that make sense? Or Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's about the experiential, but also kind of the, yeah. to, to not do it, but to, to sort of the, get too theoretically, too theoretical about it. It's also about the kind of the, phenomenological impact that it has upon you as a reader and also on the and it's also about bodily experience as well because i think some of the images that you use matthew are quite stark aren't they and, and quite they the, the impact of those gives you a a bodily sensation it's not just about the access to the text it's also about you're letting us into your experience and your mind and your way absolutely. of perceiving the bell absolutely they're, they're in a sense they're kind of maybe kind of visual diagrams of my interpretation or they're they're kind of diagrammatic they're 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 kind of visualizations i suppose kind of in a sense of thinking but i suppose what the other thing that the the kind of book is it's very much to do with the surface and sensuality so you know the sacred and the profane the 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 crack surfaces of skin of paper, of bodies, um, of 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 these kind of. I, I, I definitely, you know, I wanted both the images to, in a sense, be seductive, but I wanted them to, you know, I, I'm playing with the kind of the um, the impossibility of a reproduced flat surface, and how do you actually? get this Murdochian idea of attention and sensuality into into kind of the experience of you know of the of a book of the of the book you know yeah. it, it just amazing I, I know it's sort of stating the obvious but it reading books and the way that they conjure meaning and image just fascinates me you know it it's such an obvious thing, but it's so, you know, if we all if if we all read, you know, one paragraph of any book by Iris Murdoch, we would all, you know, we'd carry with us, I don't know, uh, there would be a, a woman's name mentioned and, you know, we'd probably know someone called Dora in our past and we may picture that person or, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the way that everyone's... <laughs> I, Words and the way they conjure images in the moment of kind of understanding is 
is what I'm trying to capture, I guess I'm saying. I, I think you I think you've done that. I think in the images it you've for me, you've captured some of the strangeness of reading an Iris Murdoch novel for the first time. Because when you when you read them for the first time, you're like, what the hell is going yeah. on with this? Yeah. And then and then you sort of get more familiar with them if you read them again. But I think those images for me are sort of, are a visual representation of the oddness of reading an Iris Murdoch novel. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> if that's if that's meant as a compliment. It is, that's great. Oh, odder the better for me. <laughs> Kevin, I think that relates to your work as well, doesn't it? The kind of this kind of sen sensualness and also the immediate the immediacy of the of the work that you've created. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm just looking at Matthew's book here, actually, and it's it is true that there's something odd about um, Murdoch books, which I struggle to put my finger on. But but you're right, Carol. I think that the the, the images are a sort of yeah. a parallel with it. Um, I think you're asking Miles about the sort of political and social angle. So I I, I don't think I'm consciously um, coming from a political angle, but maybe. I think I'd like to make uh, my aspiration anyway would be to try and make work that sort of perhaps embraces lots of aspects of what it's like to be human, sort of both, both good, bad, and maybe the strange as as yeah. well. Um, which again, I think parallels Murdoch's books. So you know, it could be like you know, simple joys about walking the dog or seeing some flowers. Uh, I've made a print recently coming from that. Uh, it's um, when Patty gets some flowers in the time of the angels and is sort of transfixed by them so you know I quite I like all that again it's probably the sort of a paying attention to things aspect of which is, relates to what it's like to be alive and I think just thinking about my recent exhibition I think maybe some of the pieces were trying to explore different types of love or intimacy you know mm. so that might be sort of father and son led on the sofa or someone in bed with a dog or or you know three people in bed together kind of thing, which again might sort of relate to some Murdoch um, themes. Um, and yeah, I really like what you said actually, Matthew, about following the material. I think in a way I've, I'm sort of doing that as well. And um, I often think people, people prob might think that artists know what they're, you know, when, when an artist starts something like a painting, people, I wonder if people think that the artist knows what they're going to make, but often, you know, or what I'm enjoying, or part of the fun is you. You know, you start something, but you don't know what it what it's going to be, and you don't really know what it's going to mean until you see it. And, and then when it's done, it's this thing outside of yourself that you can look at and sort of think about and think, "What? Well, oh, that's odd. What does that mean? And how did that? How did that happen?" So I sort of enjoy that aspect. So I, yeah, I hope I hope that maybe yeah, perhaps what I'm trying to do is create sort of meaning in the everyday. Um, but also being open to sort of, you know, perhaps slightly strange or surreal elements. So I I did a painting that I called Hibernator, which was sort of someone curled up underwater. And, I, you know, I didn't really think of them as... Uh, so that, I think that set kind of came from being interested in swimming and um, sw swimming in, in, in a lake in Ireland that's very black and slightly sort of frightening and thinking what's on, underneath. But, you know, it could, could be a sort of theme of someone hiding away or trying to sort of escape um that, that kind of thing uh yeah so I think yeah I wouldn't say overtly I'm definitely not making overtly political work but I hope that I could you know start to sort of touch on aspects of of what it's like to be human and, and thinking about Iris Murdoch books you've often got lots of different characters at different stages of life 
yeah. from from kids to sort of old people and um i really like that about the books you know that she's sort of embracing all all kind of different sorts of life experiences and I, I think i oh sorry no please carol go on i i think kevin your work's got a real it's got a dreamlike quality to it which sometimes you get the impression when you're reading the novels you feel like they're just walking through a dream that they're in a sort of dreamlike state for quite a lot of the time because i'm never quite sure whether they're drunk yeah <laughs> Or they're, or they're dreaming or but they're, they're sort of like out of body experiences but I think your your exhibition that I saw and some of the prints that you've sent they've got a sort of a surreal a surreality to them and a and, yeah. and, and again a kind of strangeness which I think that is there it's just there isn't it in the novels it definitely yeah I mean sometimes I read the novels and I just think Oh, that you know, that wouldn't happen. It, <laughs> so I was thinking about uh, in the unicorn that there's a relationship between Jamesy and Gerald. I think, and James is the young, I think, teenage housekeeper's son, and Gerald's this older guy. And, and it just it, you know, and I just kind of thought, you know, when when it sort of transpired that they were having a relationship, I just thought that is that I just so unconvincing. But then I thought, well, actually, if you think about what really goes on in the world equally kind of unconvincing things ha actually yeah. do happen so I quite I quite like that thing as well and and often you know there's um what am I I'm reading um or, or I was just listening to a fairly honorable defeat where I think it's Talus uh, is the sort of demons or something running around the house uh, but uh, and go the ghost of his sister but I suppose we all have these sort of de kind of demons or ghosts um that are in our head sort of thing so yeah maybe I'm I've, I hadn't really thought of my work as being surreal and and probably till yesterday when I was making a few notes and I kind of thought yeah maybe there is that sort of strange aspect coming out and it, and it could be from reading the novels actually that is almost giving me permission to to play with that more sort of strangeness I mean this is a question for Kevin but I think probably all of you could may maybe think about it and answer it as you're as you're going through the reading process and I know that you're reading them sequentially do you find and and then producing the artwork if you if you find inspiration do you find that it's giving you a a, a deeper understanding of the kind of the mechanics of of, of Murdoch's work maybe because I suppose um the the podcast I mentioned um uh, sorry, was it Liz De Dexter? That Liz Dexter and Ken Vemmer. Yeah, so she she mentioned, um, I think she said something like, if you read under the net, you you start to get some of the themes. And then as you read the books through, different different kind of elements often reoccur. Now, I, I think she might have talked about stones, swimming, stroke drowning, hair, dogs. There's probably other things. Um, so, yeah, I think it's quite interesting that those things often sort of, um pop up and, and occur and I suppose um I'm starting to think you you do get similar kind of characters and I suppose similar kind of situations and sometimes similar kind of characters and situations c c come in the next book sort of thing but but sort of dealt with in a different way um yeah so I think I think I probably am Miles and I'm I'm I think the podcasts are sort of helping me I think I'm starting to get my heads around what I call the philosophical bits that I struggled with uh, 20 years ago so I'm I'm starting to sort of um get some of those um aspects well, that, that's that's great I'm I'm glad that it's um 
you're finding them useful and I, I, I certainly am it's always a learning learning curve producing each you know producing recording each of the podcasts yeah. um so um I, I guess the same kind of question for carol and matthew i mean obviously we're readers at different stages and having uh, carol obviously you've kind of gone in depth on on all of the novels and, and found the kind of the um the, the the speech by women the kind of the, the feminist feminist aspects this kind of um reading and rereading experience it, it's for both of you i suppose it changing your kind of perception of, of murdoch and how also i guess moving forward and thinking about other kind of projects connected with her work i, su I suppose yeah, i i suppose in a sense it's hard for me to answer the question because because i suppose my perception of murdoch has a uh, you know, I, ha I haven't read widely enough of her novels to actually kind of un quite understand the kind of theme thematic kind of repetitions. I know, you know, she used, you know, in the bell, she used like the idea of the double and that kind of thing. And she has used those kind of ideas in the past. So I'm kind of, but I, I, it was interesting what Kevin was saying about, you know, do people, or or is it assumed that an artist kind of knows what they're going to, produce as they're kind of starting I haven't got a clue and I'm now looking at this book as a stranger I just I literally have just been flicking through it while we've been talking the book that I've kind of created with your question in mind what have, you know how has it made me kind of in a sense read or reread kind of Murdoch's um, work and I guess you know what what I think the process has done or what I think the process of making images done, I was looking at, I was thinking, are these images of Dora's thinking? Are these first person images of the text or who, whose images, who do these images kind of belong to? And I think, I, you know, I think that's an interesting question for myself and I haven't kind of got the answer. So yes, these are images that I've made, but I'm offering them as, kind of images of Iris Murdoch and kind of Colin Wilson or you know I'm offering them as a as a, I suppose a conversation point as well about the work itself so when I was at the archive the images provoked conversations with um with Francis with Dana with the other researchers there about wow that, that's an interesting connection with her book a or her book B and then we'd look at these kind of paragraphs and phrases and things like that so in a sense in making the images they become possibly or hopefully a kind of a hub or a connect a, a connecting point to kind of create or provoke further conversation about themes about reading about um about the kind of world of of Murdoch and how some of these kind of aspects reverberate through through her oeuvre kind of generally sure and that pro and that provocation is also something of course carol that's close to your heart i'm sure when you're thinking about how a um how an individual will view and um and reflect on your work yeah definitely and and um at the moment I'm not saying I'm trying to understand metaphysics as a guide to morals because I never understand metaphysics as a guide to morals. It's a tough one. But, but you're not kidding. But I'm trying. I'm 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 using that book to to and I'm quoting um, from it on in, using that to make Instagram posts and using quotes from that. 
but that's making me read it dif- read it differently. So in the process of trying to find a film and a bit of music that would go with the with the quote that I've chosen, it gives me a chance to pay attention to that quote and try and uh, well read it differently. Not not understand it, but just to read it to read it differently. Yeah. So then that that's the the next that's the the on that's the ongoing project now to try and work your way through MGM is it and um... yeah but I don't I don't do it in any particular order I open it and if, if there's and and if there's something a sentence jumps out at me I see okay. I'll use that sentence because I can't read it in order fair enough I, like, I do like the way that it's ordered though and I think yeah. she has a there's a sort of conceptual writing thing going on there isn't there because it starts with art and unity and then the last the second last chapter is void yeah so, th- so there's a sort of concept to the way that that book is organized as well i think oh absolutely yes considering it took 10 years to to move it from a set of lectures to a to a published work it's that kind of re reinscription process and the, re- the develop- yeah. developmental process yeah absolutely um as we come towards the the end of our podcast and uh, you know there's so much more that we could talk about i'm i'm, I'm sure so I, I hope you'll come back on again each of you and uh, and talk about particular aspects of your work is there something that you found surprising in reading or maybe you want to suggest something that our listeners could go away and read and maybe get inspiration from themselves in regards um to uh, producing their own form of artwork whatever it might be um, shall I kick off on that? Yeah, too, Kevin. Thanks. I might maybe slightly cheat, but I was thinking um, I, because I've sort of come from an illustration background, I've sort of been interested in the covers of Murdoch books, and I, I sort of recently bought a near set of first editions. Um, so, so I've sort of got them on the shelf, and I'm enjoying looking at the at the covers. And I've been thinking, do the you know do the covers add anything, or or give some different meanings and I haven't quite worked out whether they do or not, but you know, um, I just well, I've got a fairly honourable defeat, and there's there's quite a sort of uh, strange. Um, I probably can't show the others, but so strange image on the back, which refers to when um, two two characters are a, a gay couple, Axel um, and Simon. For- Simon, uh, they they met in um, in Athens uh, by a Greek Kouros statue. So there's an image image of um, that on the back cover. So it's kind of strange sort of image of of two men touching the Kouros uh, statue. But I, I wonder whether that's quite an interesting image. I'm not sure what I think about it, but an interesting image of maybe the power of of art on these on these two people because that sort of brought them together and they're a fantastic sort of um, couple in. Um, in the in that book and then i was thinking about uh tom phillips who um did uh i think the book covers for a good apprentice uh the book and the brotherhood and message to the planet yeah. i think he did the famous painting and metaphysics is a guide to morals as well uh did he yeah yeah and i ju- i know it's not an, a murdoch thing but thinking about probably you know what carol and uh, matthew um well probably what we're all doing really is mine sort of mining um Murdoch for for sort of meaning and uh, Tom Phillips did this book called A Humament where he slightly randomly took a 19th century um, Victorian novel and then for the next 50 years sort of worked on it by sort of making imagery around the text to sort of cover up some text and reveal other bits of text so the sort of rivers of text going through it so I, 
I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, it's slightly tenuously related to yeah. murder, but it's no, good yeah. to look at maybe. Yeah, I agree, Kevin. Like that, that's sort of really interesting. I, I love that idea of mining Murdoch, and that's kind of what what I what I'm doing. I, and I know Tom Phillips, human, and you know quite well. It's it's, it's used a lot in his illustration courses, isn't it? As a as a way of interestingly kind of finding links through kind of text and image and that kind of thing. I suppose if I was one of the sometimes I sort of think people don't I mean when I sort of say I'm reading the text in a material sense they kind of say what, what do you mean you know you're just reading a book there are words on the page you know and what one one of the um one of the art group so when we're sort of talking about the, the world of conceptual writing or um writing as art and all those kind of things a really interesting um group that maybe the listeners might look at is um, the Ulipo group and George Perec. And um, they, in, in, a, in a sense, they, 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 were, they had this idea of, of producing text or writing through constraints. And I, I, I might sort of suggest this, you know, if, you've, if you know kind of um, a Murdoch book kind of really well, try an Ulipian way of kind of reading it. So, for example, you may um, read every every kind of, I don't know, first four words on every page of the book and make a note. Or you may read um, the top left, the top right, the bottom left and the bottom right word on, on, on every page. And it's kind of, Sometimes it it's absolutely doesn't make sense. But if you're if you know a novel or a writer well, it sometimes it can it can be interesting as a kind of way of rereading a book um, through fragments or through structure or through a kind of a process. And the Ulipians um, are quite interesting uh, as a way to kind of think about language and words and reading. And sort of comprehension. So maybe kind of reread Murdoch in a radically playful way. <laughs> I don't know. That, rem that reminds me of uh, a tutor of mine at Royal College of Art, Martin Smith, um, used to say, I think one, sometimes if I was struggling a bit with what to do, he would say Stravinsky said, the more boundaries you give yourself, the freer you can. Yeah. yeah. And I often used to say it to my students, but I sort of said to my, I think that's sort of what I'm doing with Murdoch yeah. now. I'm only going to read Murdoch for a bit and just focus on that. And and I think uh, what you're talking about, Matthew, similar kind of strategy is quite good for creativity, or you know, only draw with your left hand or something. Or, yeah. Or just... funny enough, in in the book, I've um, done Stravinsky's Rites of Spring because I through the language of the book, I'm trying to find different ways of interpreting nature and language and bird song and uh, and nature. So yeah, the the um, yeah, that's from the Stravinsky archive. So a lot, you know, a lot of these kind of um, material kind of crossovers, I think, can, you know, are, are kind of interesting if if you kind of decide to kind of um, apply a system which is kind of maybe non non traditional in in reading. Every now and then, of course, we love a good beginning, middle, and end. You know. <laughs> And is this something that appeals to you as well, Carol, this this idea of, um, I, I know it does, it's kind of, let, let's look again, let's look anew, but this kind of, the application of particular processes of of reading and discovery to the production of art and 
and maybe you know we'll we'll end with with your suggestion of um, of what listeners should um, should maybe take on. Well, just just before I say that, I, when I um, put an Instagram post on about the exhibition in Brighton, uh, another artist got in touch with me who's also working on the Bell, and she's making she's making a she's deconstructing a suitcase for Dora, and she's also done a project about freeing Hartley from the sea, the sea. So there are other there are other wow. people working on and there's a student at college who's working on Iris Murdoch as well so there's quite I think there are quite a few visual artists work, working on uh or inspired by Iris Murdoch to make work and then the thing that I'd say about the book covers is I really like the covers that Kevin's got on the cover of the Iris Murdoch review that ones that are photographed by Harry Pacinotti and Harry Pacinotti photographed for Pirelli calendar but he also photographed a feminist Nova magazine, which is a feminist magazine. So I quite like that sort of, I'm not sure what the feminist intentions of Pirelli calendar <laughs> calendars were, but I'd say to people, like, how do you feel about an Iris Murdoch book if you put, if you completely replace the cover, yeah. like make a new cover for it? And, and, and how do we, so like the, the cover that Kevin's just showed us, we might approach it a bit different to the Harry Pacinotti cover, but I think, that's what I think. That's what I'd do. Change the covers. Great idea. Yeah, and uh, if we think think back to 2019, when the uh, centenary covers came out, and how much kind of furore there was about, you know, they they have no re relationship yeah. to the the detail of, of Murdoch's text, and yet it really wasn't that wasn't the point of those covers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's you know there's hundreds. This is something that fascinates me actually. Material culture regarding the covers of Murdoch and the kind of the production at different points in time whether it be the mid 70s and the height of the of second wave feminism or whether it's you know the more commercial end of what's been happening with the red spine penguins recently i think that's uh, yeah i think that's a lovely note to end on actually so uh, maybe for for listeners you know pick your favorite murdoch novel and have a think about how you might um replace the cover cut it up do something strange with collage you know maybe you know dip it in ink and then scrape over it who knows all sorts of different ways of um thinking about your favorite murdoch book but it's been a real pleasure thank you so much all of you um all of you for coming on and talking about your projects and also about the experience of working with murdoch's text it's been um such fun i do hope you come back again and we'll uh, we'll talk some more about particular um areas of interest but um my thanks very much to uh to kevin Petrie, to uh, matthew richardson and to carol sommer and indeed my thanks to you all for listening